Greetings and hello, and welcome to the Network for Women in Business podcast. On today's episode, you are going to be wild by Tara Madame Money. She is going to take you through all of the financial mistakes that women tend to make in their business and in life, and how you can avoid those pitfalls. Get ready to take copious notes and to learn a lesson or two about finances. So let's get right into this episode because you are going to love it. like to introduce some and present to others the one and the only Miss Tara Jackson. How are you, lady? Woo-woo, I'm going to take you on tour with me, girl. <laughs> you, you sound real good. <laughs> well, that's because you are, Madam Money. You oh, are you awesome are. and you are fabulous and I'm glad to have you on tonight and I guess what we're going to do is have a, you know, real down-home conversation about, you know, money and finance, and we could just kind of jump right in. And what I would like to talk about first, because I know that a lot of us are concerned with this, and a lot of us make a lot of mistakes as it relates to money and finance. But I want to ask you, Tara, what are some of the top, you know, three or four mistakes, and if, if there are more, feel free to go into them as well. But what are some of the top mistakes, money mistakes, that women and business owners make, and how can we avoid making those mistakes in the future? That's a really good question. I get that, uh, I get that question a lot. And I live a lot of the mistakes that I share with people. So it's one of those things like a mama, do as I say, not as I do. But it's one of those things, I've done it, so don't do that. And if you have done that, you'll relate to what I'm saying, and we'll talk about some solutions to get out of there. But the top three that I found, and I'll talk in my experience, the top three mistakes that I've made, which a lot of people have made those same mistakes. The first one is I didn't pee right, okay? So a lot of people will say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, I didn't pee right. And the P stands for plan, prepare, position, and praise. And uh, the first P is the plan. I didn't plan right. I didn't, you know, I, I jumped out there. I quit my job. I did have some money saved over. But I didn't really plan the business right. I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a financial plan. And I know you're thinking financial experts didn't have a plan. Yeah, I was that chick that could make everybody else's hair look good, but hers was a sight sometimes. And so I had to do a reality check on myself because I didn't plan it right financially to be successful. And I didn't have a marketing plan. I had a great business concept, but I didn't really understand or plan to get it out there. I used social media, but I didn't have a strategy to do that. And because I didn't plan right, I wasted a lot of money and a lot of time. So the first thing I tell people is before you do anything, you want to write down your plan. The Bible says to write it down and make it plain, and that's what we have to do. We have to write it down. What is the business concept? What is the business idea? Is there a need for a business? Is there competition? You have to write that business plan. Look, Google it. You can find a template or connect with an organization to help you with that. But if you plan and build that foundation of planning, especially with that financial plan, you'll save an awful lot of money and an awful lot of time. The second key was prepare. I didn't prepare myself for success. And so people say, you know, 
I didn't, I didn't fail it. I didn't plan to fail. I just failed to plan. And that's what we do when we don't even prepare ourselves for that. I knew I wanted to quit my job. I knew the, the place just wasn't there for me. I knew I wanted to be a consumer advocate. I wanted to get out there and I wanted to help people. But I didn't really prepare myself for that because owning a business, you have to be able to invest money into the business capital, but you also have to keep your lights on. You have to feed yourself. When you have kids, you have to take care of the kids. And when you're starting out in the business, in the first two to three years of your business, your business is not going to make any money. So it's not even going to be able to um, sufficiently sustain your bills, let alone the business. So I call it usually when you have an infantile business, it's like a baby. So when you have a newborn baby, you can't see the newborn baby's state, right? And so you have to feed the baby food so it can digest. You feed it baby food that's all chopped up and it's really soft. And as the child matures and gets old enough, then you can feed it safe. Well, your new business is just like a baby. It's an infantile. So it can't, it can't digest your stake of bills that you have, your mortgage or your rent or your insurance or, you know, your food or children's daycare and all that. So while you're working at your job, let your, let your job pay for all the living stuff and then save some to invest as capital in your job. And so in your business, so as your business grows and successful, once your business can pay for itself as well as pay for your bills, that's when you know you need to quit your job. So, you know, I thought I had a great idea. I thought the concept was going to sustain me, and I got a rude awakening when the clients didn't come in or the concept wasn't received like I was. So prepare for your exit strategy if you want to leave your job. It's okay. It may take you a little bit longer, but at least you'll keep a solid foundation while you're doing it. Um, so use your job as business capital. The next thing was position. I didn't position correctly. So the, I didn't have a marketing strategy. I knew I needed to get it out there, so I was throwing a lot of things out there. It's one of those things I was throwing everything up against the wall and seeing what stuck. Well, that cost me a lot of time. It cost me a lot of money. And so you want to have a strategy. Why are you on Facebook? What are you going to do on Facebook? What are you targeting? Why are you on Twitter? You know, do you want to invest in, you know, buying business cards, buying flyers? Is that worthy? Your website, do you want to start off with a Wix website, which is free, or do you want to invest in someone to build a website, or can the website grow? So those are the things that you have to consider when you're talking about marketing because marketing does cost you money. Now, you have to pay money in order to get money, but you got to do it smartly. So if you have a strategy and a plan, you know what you can do for free and you know what you have to pay or invest in. The next last thing was praise. I didn't praise right. So I was sharing a lot of great stuff, a lot of pictures, a lot of selfies and doing all this. But I wasn't praising or showing the praise of what matters. People want to see other people praising you. They don't want to see you praising yourself all the time. So it's great to have some success stories from your clients, um, to show your clients, to um, show what you're doing and how you're getting involved because you want people to relate to that. People relate to other people praising you, not necessarily praising yourself. Now, I do believe that you need to toot your own horn. If you're good, you're good, and you let the world know it. But if that's all your Facebook or your social media or your marketing is about selfies and you promoting you, it kind of looks like no one else loves you but you. Hey, you got to love yourself. 
But you need to know that you're a value and that other people value because consumers are very groupy and we can be very superficial. So we love attaching ourselves to people that are wanted by other people. And so when you see success stories that, oh, somebody else is getting success from this person or they had a great experience with that business, those other consumers are going to gravitate to that. So praise right. Get, in, get involved with your customers. Let them do that because when you satisfy a customer, they're going to tell other people. So that means more people are going to come to you, give you more revenue to invest back into your business and sustain your, your business and your household. Does that right? Does that sound yeah, that sounds that sounds right right on, right on. And you know, it's funny because today I was having a conversation uh with someone who was looking for some assistance and some guidance and you know, she was saying, you know, I have this business, I have all these great ideas and you know, but I haven't been working because I've been working on building up the business but it's not where I wanted to be just yet. And she asked me a question point blank, should I go back and get a job? You know, I've been kind of saying I should. I know I have bills and obligations, and, you know, what what should I do? And I basically told her, I said, absolutely, you should go out mm-hmm. and go back and get a job. And one of the things, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I said, you know, go out, get a job so you can sustain yourself. And also, one of the things that you might find is that you might work better on your business when you have a structure of your job. Because sometimes when you're home all day and, you know, you can have a tendency or even if you you work out of an office and you're working for yourself, sometimes you can have a tendency to do things that's not necessarily going to bring in revenue. But when Mm -hmm. you are working on a job and you know that at some point, you want to get out of the job, you you sometimes tend to manage your time better and work mm-hmm. smarter. So what mm-hmm. advice do you, because I, I know I run in, into a lot of people where their business is their side business. So mm-hmm. what advice would you give them, you know, as it relates to, I mean, I, the, the advice you did give first and foremost was awesome as it relates to using some of your income from your job as business capital until, mm-hmm. you know, your business can sustain itself. Do you have, mm-hmm. like, any more guidance or anything more you can say about that? Because I know that a lot of people listening will definitely be able to benefit mm-hmm. from that because people want to know, when should mm-hmm. I quit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should quit, again, when your business can pay all your bills and you can reinvest back and when you can pay yourself a good salary to pay your bills. Um, that's when you quit your job. Um, and there's some people that didn't quit their job. They got laid off, um, or they got, you know, and, and they, they're in a position that they're in that fight or flight mode. And so, mm-hmm. and some people are trying to get a job and can't even get a job. So they really have to do what they can to make their business work. There's several different scenarios that's in there. So if you can get a job as best as you can, get something just to keep your head above water so that you can have gas in car, so you can feed yourself. Do what you have to do to do that. Because, you know, with me, my Achilles heel is my finances. When my finances are on shaky ground, I can't really focus on anything, not even my business. And so I have to find something that's going to calm me in some areas so I can focus on building up my business. If I'm so worried about trying to pay my mortgage and pay my rent, I may not make the best decisions when it comes to building my business 
or dealing with clientele. I might deal with a clientele that I should not deal with. There's not all money is good money. You know, I, I mean, I had to fire a couple clients because they just wouldn't do right. Why did I fire them? Because if they're not going to do right and then it doesn't go as planned because they did what they wanted to do, they're going to blame me. And then they're going to tell everybody that it, that it, whatever I told them didn't work. That's not the case. They just didn't do what I told them to do. So when you're not dealing with that financial stress, you can make decisions that will benefit your business. Otherwise, you're just trying to get some money to pay your bills or to feed your family or to get gas so you can get to where you need to go. So if you can get a job, definitely get a job. Try to find a job that gives you the flexibility so that you can work and work on your business. Or if you're really passionate about it, you don't have to work that 40 hours a week and then you get it in where it fits in. There's a lot of people that have the side muscles and are very, very successful um, because they take that money that they earn from their jobs and they reinvest it into their business. So it depends on your certain situation. I don't want people to um, feel like um, don't beat, beat yourself. Don't beat yourself up um, because I was in that situation where I wanted to do my own thing, but when I tried to get back into the workforce, there wasn't any jobs out there or I was overqualified. And overqualification is very real. It is very, very real. I mean, I couldn't get a job at McDonald's because I was an executive vice president of a financial institution a year ago, and they were concerned, well, I'm not going to hire you now because as soon as you get something better, you're going to leave this, and I wasted that time and money on training you. So right. a lot were afraid to hire me because they thought I was going to, you know, ask for too much money. So the economy that we're in is, is a very challenging thing. Continue to do your best. But you have to take care of yourself first. You have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can do anything else, which may mean that you have to go back and get a job. And that, that, that's my whole thought process of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a very real position. Now, as a financial institution, you know, I can give you the great thing. Oh, you can, you know, definitely go back and job. And if you can't, go get a business loan. Reality is, is not everybody's going to qualify for a business loan because we have an established business credit. There's no right. grant out for for-profit organizations. That's a myth. Oh, I can just get a grant. No, you can't get a grant for for-profit organizations. Um, SBA is the one that you can pay back. Huh, I'm sorry, what did you say? No, I was saying that's right. It has to be a nonprofit. I, I was looking at that myself. I was looking at, you know, I said, oh, I, I, I could qualify for this grant, but you, grants do have to be like 501c3. Right. And that's a process. And then you have to be establishing your 501c3 for a period of time. And it's not right. something that's going to be approved overnight. It's a, it's a tedious process. Um, so as long as we understand the reality, I was telling a, um, a young lady, um, earlier this week, one of my clients is that it's a chess game. So if you don't know how to play chess, you have to learn how to play chess, especially women. We have to learn how to play chess because it teaches us how to think strategically. So if we are in a situation, there are several scenarios that can play out. We have to know each of those scenarios, and then we have to come up with a plan of attack when those scenarios come up. So that if something comes up, we're not surprised. We already know what we're going to do. A lot of the financial turmoil, turmoil happens when we don't have a plan for something that came up that we knew kind of sort of would come up. We just didn't plan for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people don't plan for the fact that they might get laid off. 
in this economy, that just might happen. So what you're going to do? Do you have enough saved up? You know, eventually you're going to retire. You have something saved up. Eventually, you know, you know, God forbid anytime soon, you might die. Do you have your uh, uh, stuff in order with that? So there's several things that we la- we don't do, we don't plan, and it's just a chess move. Our financial picture, our life is a chess move. If we can identify the areas of certain moves that life may put us through and we plan our actions with if something happens, we'll live a definitely a stress-free life and a financial freedom life because we're preparing for all those situations. Does that make sense? Right. It makes perfect sense. And, I mean, and, you know, I know that you are also, like, a retirement specialist, and one of the things that you do is you help people with those plans. You know, I remember, I mean, hey, listen, this is just last week when I went in the hospital to have surgery. And one of the things that I did was I told my daughter, I said, well, I'm going to list out everything for you because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a financial advisor and she mm-hmm. she really knows everything, you know, mm-hmm. as it relates to my insurance and my savings plans that I have. She she knows everything as it relates to that. There are other things that my family is not really privy to. So, you know, one of the things I said, okay, if something happens to me, this is the number to the job. You know, so, like, I, it's like little things. And one of the things that my advisor said was it's almost like writing out, and I don't know whether it's some it, it exists somewhere, but I, I think there's something called a family love letter. And it's almost mm-hmm. like completing a packet where you kind of list out all your accounts, all mm-hmm. of your passwords, all you mm-hmm. know, everything that your family would need in case something happens to you. And I you know, I did that because I just really and truly didn't want them to have to struggle if something did go wrong because anything could have went wrong. I mean, I was trusting and believing that everything was gonna be fine and it absolutely was fine. But I think one of the things that it did was it really scared her and upset her because she was, like, bawling, you know. She was just out, you know, besides herself. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, you do that because you love your loved ones, correct? That's absolutely correct. And let me tell you how much I want to share a story with you all about my grandmother. My grandmother passed away on March 6th of this year. And she is the epitome of being a boss. Let me tell you what this lady did. This lady was so prepared that my grandfather, all he had to pay was $88 for her final expenses because she took care of everything. She took care of all the final expenses, her burial plot, um, the service, uh, the the headstone. Uh, she ha- she um, created her own obituary. We just had to fill in the blanks. She created her own uh, um, program of the service that she wanted, and she knew who she wanted to do what, what to sing. She was very specific. I only want the service to be 90 minutes. <laughs> down to everything, <laughs> down to what she wanted to wear, the colors she wanted to wear. Yeah. She was a minister, yeah. so she wanted to wear her robe. She was very, very clear, and it wasn't that she was really, you know, wanting to die or whatever, she just did not want us to have to make those menial decisions in a distraught. She did not want us to have a financial burden or an emotional burden for her financial, financial, you know, final experience. 
She wanted mm -hmm. us to know that she loved us so much that she mm -hmm. took that burden away from us. And that's one thing that I learned from my grandmother is that planning for your final senses is not a dismal thing. It is what it's it's a it's an opportunity or an operation of love. That's, that's why right. we get life insurance. It's not for us to live right now. It's it's a gift of love to our family, so we, it won't be a financial burden. And so that's, that's right. what I do. I have a 30 Days of Financial Freedom Challenge that actually started on the 4th, um, and people can still sign up. We'll talk about that. But at the end, I actually do. It's not called a, a family love letter, which I love that, but it, it's a law. You write down all of your accounts, the phone numbers, the financial institutions, the amounts, the account numbers, and it's a law. And, you you know, where are they located? Because if something were to happen to you, you're, you don't want your family having to search all through the house and file cabinets to try to find if you have a life insurance policy, what bank accounts you have open, what do they have to close. Because the the final aspect of a death is, is very tedious. It's yeah. very tedious. You know, and you want to make sure that you minimize that stress on your family as much as possible. Even if you don't have any children, your family members, your parents or whoever, or your cousin, somebody is going to say goodbye. So you don't want to be a burden to those people that have to say goodbye. Um, and that's just an act of love. And that's what we do when we do our retirement planning. You know, we deal with our final expenses because we may die, but we handle our retirement because we might just live. You know, I hope we do live. I want to live 30, right. 40 years after I retire. I would love to. But I got to right. put hands to do it. And right. $100,000 is not going to last me for 30 years. It's barely going to last me for a year. Right. So now as business owners, um, a, lot of, a lot of us are working towards just sustainability, right? We want to be able to sustain ourselves and pay ourselves a nice, you know, monthly income. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what what advice do you give us as business owners um, to save? Because, I mean, I know, like, for myself, there's the, you know, the SEP account, the SEP IRA mm -hmm. account, and mm -hmm. there's the um, – what is it called? You know what it's called. It's not the five oh. It's a five. It's like a five oh one. Oh, you're talking about a four hundred one k, four hundred three b, four fifty seven. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, a, it's like a four hundred one, but it's for self employed people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't several, remember the name of it. A solo k, a solo k. That's right. Mm -hmm. There are several options as far as investing and all that is concerned, and I would recommend anybody if you're want specific information about investing, talk to a licensed investment advisor. Um, so that's my disclosure there. Um, but for business owners, you can definitely open up a, an IRA. An IRA is an individual retirement account. You can do a traditional one where you have qualified funds, which just means before taxes. That's all qualified funds mean. Before taxes goes into an IRA. So you're not taxed on the seed of your monthly deposits into the IRA. But in about 20, 30, or 40 years, you're going to be taxed on that harvest. So it's a tax deferred. You're not taxed now, but you're going to be taxed later. So Uncle Sam's going to get his money now or later. A Roth IRA is you're putting money in with after tax, non-qualified funds. They're after tax. That's all that means. 
So you done paid Uncle Sam. You're going to put some money in this Roth IRA. So when you need it in about 40 years or 30 years, you're not going to be taxed on that money. The SEP IRA, that's for um, self-employed plans, those are, you know, you're allowed to do more money per month. Um, And you can set that up at your financial institution. Now, here's the thing with IRAs. Um, you have to be at least 59 and a half to withdraw without a penalty. So if you decide you want to retire, you have enough money, you want to retire at the age of 50, you're going to be hit with a 10% penalty, and you're going to be taxed on it. So you, you just got to be very careful with those IRAs. And, you know, there's several other different plans that are out there. Again, talk to a, a licensed investment, especially if you, want to get, if you want to get with mutual funds and all that. But here's the thing, Tony. A lot of business owners, they're not there yet. They they don't even have an emergency savings plan. You know what I mean? You don't even have an insurance policy. So, you know, you have some people that have businesses going on, but God forbid something happens to them, they are their business. So the business is not going to be anymore. So the income that was coming in from the business is not going to go be there anymore for the family. Um, so... There's three areas where people can put their money. And so if you all are listening, I want you to draw three circles, two circles on the bottom and then one circle at the top. Almost looks like a pyramid, okay? So there's three places where you can put your money, only three. You can either put it in insurance, savings, or investing. That's the reality. So a lot of people, they want to put money in the investing, but they don't even have the foundation of protecting their money and protect their assets, and they don't have the liquidity. And so if something happens, they don't have that foundation. That's why a lot of people lost a whole lot of money when the market fell, because they didn't protect themselves, nor did they have the liquidity, but they lost all this money in their 401ks and lost all this money in the market. And so you want to make sure that your pyramid, you have the two on the bottom, those are solid. So you want to be able to protect what you have and you want some liquidity. So if there's an emergency that comes up, you can get access to that cash when you need it. Not when you want to, um, but when you need it. When you handle those two areas, and with insurance, you can do both in some cases, um, with permanent policies, and we don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but people can call me. I'll explain it to them, regardless of what insurance carrier you deal with. I'll just explain to you the process so that you are educated and informed to make a good decision. Once you set your foundation there where you're adequately covered and protected and you have some liquidity and you build up some savings, then we want to go into that investing pool. Then we want to talk about how can my money um, grow and how can I build wealth on making my money making money in retirement. A lot of people want to focus on mutual funds and stock markets and all of these accounts, but they don't even have a saving, an emergency savings fund established. They don't even have insurance, God forbid, something happens to them. Or if they get sick, they're not protected with disability coverages. So there's, you know, money management, you know, you have to deal with that risk management side because if you get sick and, you know, you're the only person that's working, what's going to happen to your income? It it could stop or be severely reduced. So you want to try to fill in those gaps. Well, You've just confirmed everything that my financial advisor always tells me. And, I mean, you know, you're confirming that we're definitely moving in the right place and in the right direction. So she always, you know, she always gives me those 
hard, hard lessons, you know, every time Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I enjoy it, trust me. I enjoy Mm -hmm. meeting with her. And I love the fact that she texts in with me and, you know, and it's always, okay, are you ready to make that, you know, to have that next conversation? And it's about the, you know, moving in the next realm. But, you know, Mm -hmm. we're working exactly where you said right now with the risk side of it, with the insurance. Mm -hmm. And with the emergency savings plan. So, you know, and and then, you know, the investment piece, well, you know, we work on that little by little, right? But we're working on that. And every now and again, she's always calling and saying, are you ready to do more? You know, this and that and the other. So I I love her, and I'm glad to hear you saying this because Mm -hmm. it's exactly the conversations that we have. Now, you talked about your money challenge, but I really would like for you to go into more details about that. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yes, I would love to, but I did want to throw this out when we were talking about retirement and everything. If anyone's listening and they have have a 401K or they have an employer-sponsored retirement fund, here's the thing. One, you should invest in that if you're – employer is matching your money and you should do it up to the amount that they match because they're giving you essentially free money. You're going to be taxed on it anyway, so you might as well be taxed on the portion that they gave you, not the portion that you saved or not all of it that you saved. So a lot of people, they will um, do 10% in their 401k, but their employer only matches 3%. Well, you want to do up to the match up to the amount that the employer matches, and then you may want to think about doing some other things with that extra money so you can look at tax-free options, tax-sheltered options, you know, look at your tax strategies on that. But if you're not involved in your your 401K, 403B, 457, TSP, um, those are employer-sponsored benefits package. You know, check with your employer to see the options that you have there and start doing something. I always say save something sooner. Save something sooner. So definitely get involved in that, especially if the employer matches. So I have to throw that out there. I'd be remiss if I didn't. Now, the 30 Days of Financial Freedom Challenge, I'm so excited because the goal of this is to help a 1,000 people to begin their journey and to create a foundation with fundamental principles for financial freedom. So the thing with financial freedom is that everybody's definition or thought of financial freedom is different. So one person could be, I want to live debt-free. Another person could be, I want ownership. I want to own property. Um, I want to own a business. One per- another person could be, I want to have enough saved up so I can retire early. Whatever your vision or whatever your thought of financial freedom is, there is a common financial foundation fundamental. There are fundamentals that are the same across the board. And so that's what the 30 Days to Financial Freedom Challenge gives you. So how do you eat a financial elephant? One bite at a time. So I just chop that baby up into 30 bite-sized pieces. And so we begin the process of the planning process. A lot of people, I get slack about this all the time, first couple of days, they're like, well, I want to talk about money. I want to talk about credit. Well, you have to talk about the planning. Remember, you got to pee right. <laughs> so you got to talk about the planning part of it. So I teach you how to create financial goals, what financial goals are, what does smart mean, small, meaningful, automated, repetitive, and time-driven. You know, I teach you how to create those. I teach you how to um, 
get rid of the financial clutter. You know, you're not productive if it's clutter all over the place, so you have to clean out that financial clutter, what to throw away and what to keep. A lot of people want to throw away all their statements or they want to hoard all their statements. So I help you understand what you should keep and what you should uh, what you should toss. You want to create a financial or a family CFL, that's a chief financial officer. So who is going to be the person that's going to deal with the day-to-day operations of the finances for the household? If you're a single person, it's going to be you, but you need to understand that you have a very significant role. You are the not only the CEO and the COO, you're also the CFO. And what does that mean to be a CFO? Once we understand the planning process, then we start tackling our money management. And so I don't say, okay, here you go, build a budget. I take you one step at a time. Let's get all your income in one day, okay? Let's let's talk about your expenses another day. Let's talk about how ways you can save money on groceries, how you can save money on other things. The biggest thing is how you can plan for those um, periodic expenses. You know, we, I don't know if you are familiar with periodic expenses, but we deal with them every year, but they're not inside of our normal budget. Those are like the birthday gifts, Christmas, holidays, um, your auto registration, you know, the lorem and all that. So those are certain things that I teach you how to plan for. Then we tackle the credit, you know, pulling your credit report, what it looks like, disputing the information, getting a, you know, establishing a debt-free plan, um, how to how to tackle debt. Also, we talk about the risk management, how to do a financial checkup with all of your insurances. Insurance is not just about life insurance. Insurance is your medical insurance. What questions you need to ask if you have medical or health insurance at your job or if you don't have anything at all. Your auto insurance, homeowner's insurance. There are several different types of insurances out there that designed to protect you and your savings that you create. And so we talk about everything dealing with our finances so that we have an understanding of where we are so that we can move to the next level to get where we want to go, which is financial freedom. So it's free. It's a virtual um, challenge. You can get it in your your email box every day. And right now we're on the fourth, on the fourth day. So um, tomorrow will be the fifth day. So there's still time for you to get involved. And we're going to go for 30 weekdays. I send out emails. Or if you don't like um, emails, you don't check your emails that often, you can get text alerts. Um, and all you have to do is text um, 30D as in day or dog, the number 2FF. So 30D2FF and text that to 313131. And then you'll start getting the text alerts. And then once you Say understand that again. The- Say that again. Sure. Text. Um, text this right here. It's um thirty three zero. So let me start over so everyone doesn't get confused. You want to text three zero D as in dog two F as in Frank F as in Frank, and that stands okay. for thirty days to financial freedom. And you want to text that to three one three one three one. And then you're going to get your text message alerts nine o'clock every weekday. And it's going to lead you to a link so you can get more information. You'll And the great thing about the challenge is that I have a workbook and worksheet. Now, those are optional. So if you want to do it yourself, you can do it yourself on your own Excel spreadsheet. Or if you want something that's fill in the blanks, I have that for you as well. So I try to make the challenge as easy as possible 
and I've already had about 40 people that have completed it on the first cycle. We have a little bit over 200 people that have signed up so far for this month's challenge. So I'm really, really excited. Oh, that's exciting. That's a nice, that's a nice increase as well. So that's, that's awesome. Fantastic. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Congratulations to them for all of them taking the, commit, the commitment. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of the, the statistics. And what I found out is that only 11% of the participants actually follow a budget or save at least 10% of their income, you know. So that means over 89% of people may or may not follow a budget. And so when you don't master your money, if you don't tell your money where it's going, your money will tell you what you can and can't do, mainly what you can't do. So this is going to help people master <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to help people master their money, tell them where their dollars are going, so you tell your money where it's allocated, where it's going. Never let your money tell you what you can't do. Your money should never have that, that much power over you to tell you that you can't call in sick or you can't take vacation or you can't um, buy this or you can't save that. Your money should never tell you or dictate anything in your life. In order for you to reverse that, you have to plan where your money is going to go, and that's all the budget does. Call it what you want. You can call a spending plan or whatever. I don't care what you call it. As long as you name your dollars. Woo, child. That's all I have to say. I mean, oh, my God. Madam Money is on the money point, okay? She is getting us nice and right as it relates to our finances. Well, I just wanted to take a break in this show to remind you about the Network for Women in Business and how you can become a member. You can take the seven-day, $1 trial all the way up until August 1st of this year. And then at that point, membership is going to close and we're going to open it up again in October. So make sure to visit www.thenetworkforwomeninbusiness.com to find out how you can become a member today. We help you to grow your small business so that you can have the life and the freedom that you deserve. So make sure to become a member and visit www.thenetworkforwomeninbusiness.com. Now, back to the show. All right, now. Well, you know, in reading your bio, I have, you know I have to come to this. So in reading your bio, you talk about this financial fornication. <laughs> Tell oh. us about the book, Financial Fornication, because, you know, that's well, a very intriguing title. Tell us about it and tell us how we can get it. Well, financial fornication is really some, something I was dealing with. So, hi, my name is Tara Jackson. I'm a financial fornicator. And I'm actually working on a revision, and it's going to be financial fornication, confessions of a financial fornicator. Um, and so it, it's about the relationships we have with money. So I wrote the book because I was really sick of seeing people, a lot of my clients, too. My clients were reality, some of the reality stars that you see on TV now. Um, and I got sick of seeing a lot of reality TV stars talking about that, who they want to sleep with, who their relationship with, having bad relationships, but nobody wanted to talk about their crappy credit. Nobody wanted to talk about that they didn't have anything saved up. Nobody wanted to talk about that. Everybody wanted to be bling, bling, and all that. So I figured mm -hmm. if sex sells, sex can sell financial literacy. So mm -hmm. that was my, that was my, my basis. 
But I wanted people to be able to relate and giggle at the same time because talking about finances can be stressful. It could be annoying, especially if you don't have any or if you're having money woes. And so I wanted it to be less intimidating to start the conversation. So I talk about how we're financially promiscuous with our money and with credit cards. And we have all these financial one-night stands, and we buy a whole bunch of stuff with credit knowing we should be using cash. And because we have these financial one-night stands, we end up with financial STDs, which is substantially tremendous. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there that are infecting a lot of people. So let me tell you how no, you that know. sounds like that. That sounds like it should be stopped for a TV show. I, wait, <laughs> STD stand for again because I was laughing. Go ahead. It, it stands for a substantially tremendous debt. So a lot of people are suffering from that dis-ease, that STD. Oh, and so no. the problem is a lot of people are not only affecting their family or their co-signers, but they're infecting their family and co-signers with that STD because they're co-signers or they're being infected and affected because the family can't do what they need to do because they're in so much debt. And so I talk about the cures, you know, you have a dis-ease and you need cures. So I talk about the cures. I talk about how to find, to date your financial institution. And there are five phases to dating a financial institution. And I promise you, the same five phases can be applied to dating a man and a woman. So, and you don't skip them. So you, you don't go to the um, introduction phase and then end the commitment. You don't do that. You, there's a process so that you can avoid financially abusive relationships. And I talk about financially abusive relationships as well as exit strategies to get out of it. Because there's a lot right. of people getting assets kicked in those abusive financial relationships. So I teach them exit mm-hmm. strategies. So I, I just make the conversation because we understand about relationships. We've been in some of these relationships, but nobody really understands that our relationships tie back to our money as well. And, uh, you know, another book that I'm actually, I have a transcript on is called Financial Love Languages. The problem is, you know, the reason why several marriages or thousands or millions of marriages um, and because of financial issues is because we don't know how to communicate with each other fiscally. You know, yeah. you cannot communicate with a saver the same way you communicate with a sender. You're just not going to oh, work that way. Go ahead. I love this. I love right. this. This is powerful. Go ahead. So the, the, the reason why is because, you know, if, you, if I'm married, if we're married, if you and I are married and you speak Chinese and I speak um, uh, Italian, and we don't know each other's language, we may, we're going to have a lot of communication issues. We, we may laugh, but it's going to be really, really hard. And that's what a lot of people are dealing with in their marriages. One is a saver, one is a spender, and they're having a hard time communicating. A saver doesn't understand why a spender spends. A spender does not conceive or understand why a saver will not spend their money. And the reason why I I wrote this wrote this book, which is coming to a book journey you, is because I'm a spender, and all of the men that I was with were savers, and it just baffled my freaking mind. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Um, one of the things I could not understand was the um, window shopping. I think window shopping is the most asinine thing ever created. 
How you gonna tell me we just gonna go look around, but we ain't gonna buy anything? Makes make no sense whatsoever. And all of my boyfriends at the time did not understand how I just had to buy something, even if it was a stick of gum. I just had to buy something. I had to spend money. <laughs> so I wrote the book so people could understand the languages, but not only understand their own languages, but understand how to speak the language to the other person. So if I want a saver to spend money, I can't talk to them about spending money. I have to talk to them about how much they're going to save. And the same thing with a spender and a saver. If a saver wants a spender to not spend, don't ever tell a spender don't spend, because I promise you we're going to spend, just because you told us wow. not to and because we want to. So wow. you have to give us limits. So instead of saying you can't spend this, hey, babe, we got this amount of money to spend. I promise you we'll find a way to spend it. But if we have guidelines, if you say I got $500 a month I can spend, hey, I'm going to have a good time spending that $500, and I'll work it out and manage it. But if you say we only got five hundred dollars, you can't spend any more than that. I promise you, I'll spend a thousand. It's the language. <laughs> it's all about the language. And then once you understand the language and you can better communicate, that's where the compassion and the understanding comes in. You don't have to like it sometimes, but you have to understand why we do some of the things that we do. It's the same thing, not just with money, with some other things that we do. But money is is one of the main things that breaks us up. It, right. It's a killer. It kills relationships, and it has people killing each other. So if we can just understand the languages and their four, the spender, saver, giver, and investor, when you can understand that, and we're a little bit of all, but we have dominance in certain areas of that, you'll have better relationships. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I see that you have this uh the new book is not out. So when the new book comes out, we definitely have to have you come back and just lay all of these things out so that, you know, we can get people to buy that book. But your book, Financial Fornication, I see you have it available on Amazon. Yes, it is on right? Amazon.com. Yes, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You can also go to my website, madammoney.com. Or you can go to my professional website, which is Tara, T-A-R-R-A, Jackson, J-C-K-S-O-N, dot com. So got it out there for you several ways. Um, Amazon, you can also download it on Kindle. So Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that tonight. And, you know, one of the things that I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to get the book, and I'm going to make sure that I leave you a review on Amazon because, I mean, I already know that I'm going to love this book, um, and I know I'm going to love the second one as well. But that's, I mean, that's like, that's really awesome. I mean, you know, what I love about everything that you said tonight and the way you presented the information tonight was that you did it in such a way that everybody can understand. And, I, I mean, I see why in your bio, you know, you say, you know, you deliver this financial information in a way that's fun and, you know, and people can definitely get it. So that, that I think, is big. Let me, let me ask you this question, though. Um, I know we're coming to the top of the hour, and, you know, I'm not going to keep you on past um, 9 o'clock, but I wanted to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so hard for people to 
deal with their financial issues. And, you know, because I, you know, like a lot of times, you know, I grew up in a church and I tell people all the time, you can't, you can't just pray about it. You can't just push your bills in a drawer and think they're all going to go away and then pray about it and think that something's, something magically is going to happen because that it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, you know, um, you know, and God doesn't work that way. But, you know, why do you think it's so hard for people to face the, you know, their financial situations? Because one of the things that I found is that when when I face my finances, right, and when I, you know, like one of the things I did was I downloaded um, – all of my sales from the past three years because I wanted to, you know, send my customers um, a special offer this week for um, Small Business Week, and I only wanted to send it to people who, you know, actually made a purchase with me. So I did a download, and, you know, I saw all of the sales that I generated over the past three years, and I was like, wow. I was like, wow, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, my God. It was like over a 1,000 transactions. And I was just like, this is really good. And I mean, and I said, and I haven't even really been working that hard. So I was like, so I was so excited about the possibilities. But, you know, and I find that I feel so much better when I look at it. But why is it that so many people are afraid to just, you know, Open themselves well, up and look. What they don't understand. So, okay. you know, it's that fear, false evidence appearing real. And you have mm-hmm. to understand, no, we weren't taught anything about it. So we don't understand it. Um, it it's almost like a gun, you know. Hmm. Some people are afraid to look at a gun, let alone pick it up and shoot it. Um, they, they just don't want to, they don't understand it. They're afraid they're going to get hurt, you know, and they may have shot it and, you know, shot up in the air, afraid to kill somebody and don't want to look at it again. And then you have those people that will haphazardly just do it because they don't just care. Hey, let's just do it. But the problem is we weren't taught. We weren't taught how to do it when we were young. It's not taught in the school. The schools expect the parents to do it. The parents don't know because they weren't taught. They expect the schools to do it. And so you have a whole bunch of financially illiterate um, children that are growing up to be adults. And so we're learning trial and error, heavy on the error. So that's what happened to me. I, I didn't really learn specifically from school or learn from my parents. I learned by what I saw, learned by what they did. And one thing that I learned how to do greatly was to spend money. And if I didn't have the money to spend, i go and borrow it. And if I couldn't pay it back, oh, well, um, I'll try to pay it back, whatever. That's what I learned through observation. Um, I learned a lot of what not to do, but I learned a lot of errors. And so it took me many, many years to be able to figure this game out because it's really just a game. So there's a lot of people that are playing this financial chess game, but they're playing checkers, and they think the financial institutions are cheating. They're not cheating. They're just playing by a whole different set of rules. So you either want to learn the rules and figure out how to win the game, or you don't want to learn the rules and you get played. That's your choice. And a lot of people just choose to, they think ignorance is bliss. Well, ignorance is not bliss. It's expensive as hell. So you can just look at your statements when you have overdraft fees that are 30 to $50, when you're paying interest rates between 10 to 30% um, higher than anyone else. So you, you get rewarded by how much you know. When you know more, you do better. And then you end up paying less, you earn more, and you keep more. So that's the end of, that's the, that's the whole goal of this money game is to earn more and keep more. 
No, what we want to do is we want to keep giving it away to people. We want to spend it on the Michael Kors. We want to spend it on Louis Vuitton. We want to give all them the money, give them all of our money, and we have nothing to show for it. And so a lot of it is because we weren't taught. But at the end of the day, when we become adults, it's because we just don't want to know. And if we do want to know, it's just like losing weight. I eat, And I'm a victim of this, okay, because I'm a big girl. I like to eat. I do. I really want to fit this size 10 dress. I have this girl. I have it uh, hanging up right now. I'm looking at it. Black dress <laughs> is gorgeous. All right. I really want to fit that size 10 dress. I'm a size 18. I know exactly what I need to do to get down to a size 10. I need to eat better. I need to move more and I need to act like I got some sense. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not mentally ready to do that. So I'm not mentally ready to get up and go to the gym. I know what I need to do, but I'm not sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, there was one time in my life that I was, and I got up at 5 o'clock every morning, went walking. I changed the way I ate, became a pescatarian. A pescatarian is a vegetarian that eats seafood. Yeah, I learned all of that. And I, learned, <laughs> and I got down to a size 12. Girl, I was wearing these jeans. I was cute on my way, and I got crazy. And so a lot of that is just our mindset, and it's not that we don't know what to do. We know that we need to spend less and save more. We know that. We know we right. need to pay our bills on time. It's just that we right. want to do what we want to do, but we want different results. So we just live in the cycle of insanity. But when we get sick and tired of being 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 broke, then we'll start making some decisions. A lot of us, we're just not mentally there yet. Wow. Wow. Well, wow, this has been amazing. I mean, no, I mean, seriously, you're you're right on, on so many different levels. And I mean, you know, I'm definitely me myself personally will sign up for the uh, money challenge. And when you have your next one come up, you know, I, what I want to do is I would like to, you know, promote it and really get a lot of people that I know engaged. And you know, I. I know that I sent this out and it was kind of last minute, but I want you to come back and, you know, especially when you start your new challenge, I know you have your boss um, workshop, your boss brunch coming up, which is the Mm -hmm. Women's Wealth Boss Brunch, and the next one is in New York, correct? That is correct. It is in New York, so I'm excited about that. You know what, Tony, what we may need to do, we may need to do a 30 Days of Financial Freedom Challenge for business owners or, you know, for business you might need to partner up and, and do yeah. that. I would love to do that. I would love, 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 love to do that. Um, and let's definitely put that on the schedule for us to reconnect and do that because I think it it, it would be wonderful because it's, it's something that is so needed because if we can do, you know, anything to keep business owners in business, I think we've done a great justice to the world because this, when people start a business, they're starting because they're following their dreams and they're mm-hmm. doing it because it's what they really want to do. And if we could keep people connected with their dreams and their why and keep them in business longer, I think that we, we will do great service, you know, with the world. So I'm excited. I'm so glad that you came. Uh, we're out of time, so I don't want to, keeps people on the line any longer, and I've asked a lot of questions, so I don't think there's anything left really to ask, but if people want to ask questions outside of this, how can they contact you? 
they can go to my website at madammoney.com, M-A-D-A-M-M-O-N-E-Y.com. You can also connect with me via my website, Tara Jackson, T-A-R-R-A-J-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. You can schedule a complimentary consultation with me, and you can connect with me on all social media. I'm highly, um, highly visible and interactive on all social media. So let's connect. Thank you, Tony, so much for an awesome time. You are so wonderful. Oh, man, and, and, and you. I mean, you know, I learned a lot, and, I, you know, I can't wait for us to do the, the challenge, the 30-day challenge for business owners. I think that's going to be great. Thanks for thinking of that. And thank you so much for connecting and saying yes to be one of our expert speakers with the Network for Women in Business. So now you are officially a part of the Network for Women in Business family. All right? (laughs) And there you have it. Thank you so much, Tara, for such a great and awesome time. And thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe and also make sure to visit us online at www.thenetworkforwomeninbusiness.com. That's www.thenetworkforwomeninbusiness.com. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.